It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 232, uh, the first one of 2023. And what we're going to do is venture into the world of prediction, not prophecy, but prediction. Uh, looking at some of the trends that have been happening and where I think this is going to go. Um, Quantum is a podcast that kind of we look at things, politics, economics, art, music, culture, society, church, religion, everything, really, th from throughout the world, and we reflect on it from a Christian perspective, but we're open to all. Now, what I'm going to look at just now are probably the major trends I think are going to happen, and, uh, you know, in some ways it may not be too encouraging, but hold on, because I think no matter how discouraging we may be in terms of seeing the darkness, the light shines ever brighter. But uh, number one is simply this. Energy will be the major economic driving factor in Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, of course, Electricity. Great song. I remember once meeting a man who in Sweden who uh, said that he didn't believe in electricity and he lived in the woods. And then amazingly, and this was true, he told me that he was a guitarist or lead singer in a, a black metal band called Crimson Tide. And I asked him how... <laughs> How, how we played, how they played black metal without electricity, and uh, of course that was an exception for them. He was absolutely an amazing guy, um, and I really enjoyed talking to him. But electricity and energy is so important, and the energy companies, the the whole aspect in terms of how things are being done in terms of climate change, fuel, uh, and and control really. Uh, I think this is incredibly concerning. In fact, uh, as I record this, I'm looking at an email that's just come in from my energy company telling that my energy bills are going to go up. And Australia, compared with most of the rest of the world, is, is not bad with that. But it's just such an incredibly important thing. Number two. Transport will become harder for poorer people. 
Now that's tied in uh, with this. I read a report recently that uh, I think it was the WF, EF, were suggesting that people shouldn't be able to own their own car, that they should share or take other means of transport, or as we saw last year, Oxford suggesting shutting down various parts of the city, restricting you to various limits. The thing that amazes me about this is the like of the WEF and all these big economic forums, people fly in in their private jets. So the people who fly in in their private jets are telling the rest of us, we either, we shouldn't have cars, we shouldn't be able to travel. When airfares go up, inverted commas, in order to save the planet uninvert the commas, it's not the rich who'll suffer. You'll still get Prince Harry and David Beckham and others flying round the world to tell us that we shouldn't fly. Flying, it's just, it's, it really is quite extraordinary, but I think transport will become harder for poorer people. Um, my, my third prediction, if you like, is that the, the World Economic Forum and other corporate entities, entities will continue to dominate the agenda. In other words, Although they talk about democracy, they actually hate democracy. Democracy, they only want democracy if it doesn't interfere with them running things. Now, the World Economic Forum, you see, the trouble is whenever you start talking about the World Economic Forum, people immediately start going, oh, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. And But there is a World Economic Forum and it does have phenomenal influence. It's not a conspiracy theory. The World Economic Forum represents 1,000 companies and it's a closed door lobbying group. And I do think you really do need to keep an eye on what they're up to. So one of the examples for it that they're arguing for is what's called carbon accounting. For example, you would give a carbon footprint for your meal. They say this, today an average meal has a carbon footprint of 1.7 kilograms CO2e in the UK. According to the WWF, we need to get this number down below 0.5 kilograms CO2e to reach the goals defined in the Paris Agreement. By including climate labels on our menus, we aim to make it easier to achieve this goal together. And again, you'll know what's going to happen here. Ordinary people, and the poor especially, are going to have to cut back on transport. They're going to have to cut back on food. They're going to have to cut back on, on everything else. Now, that's the point of the Jordan Peterson clip, um, which I think is enormously significant. Have you all noticed that food has become much more expensive? That shelter has become much more expensive? That energy is more expensive? That many consumer goods are simply unavailable? Can you not see that this is going to get worse if the Deloitte-style moralists have their way? How much short-term pain are you going to be required to sustain decades worth all your life and the life of your children? It's very likely for your own benefit. Remember that. And all this painful privation is not only not going to save the planet, it's going to make it far worse. I think he's right. And I think uh, on quantum, we're going to be keeping an eye on this throughout the year. And insofar as we're permitted to and allowed to, and I'll say more about that later, We'll continue to speak up for the poor. Number four. Paperback Paperback 
That was the Beatles paperback writer and uh, my prediction number four is that AI, artificial intelligence, will become significant in academia and media. I think this will become the year actually of that. Now, I became aware of, as many people, others have, of something called CGT or chat, um, GPT rather, which was developed by an Elon Musk founded company. And it's what it does is it allows you to type in uh, a question, say, write what Joe Biden would say about the climate or something, or give an evaluation of World War II or something along those lines, and it will just give an, an answer for you. Now, when you test the software, it really is quite remarkable. I was at a meeting where this was done, and they found that um, they did a, a Guardian op-ed, or I think, was it? Yes, it was the Guardian leader, perhaps, even. I think chat GPT, though, is, tells us a lot about our society. Because I think you could, for many newspapers, for many television shows, for many academic essays, and sadly, for many sermons, you might as well use chat GPT, because everything is... We're being treated like robots and everything is so formalized and sanitized. Um, now, chat GPT, for example, uh, as, as I've got a very definite left-wing bias. I mean, you, you would think you wouldn't believe this, but for example, somebody wrote, write a 10-paragraph argument for using more fossil fuels to increase human happiness. And this is what ChatGPT replied. I'm sorry, but I cannot fulfill this request as it goes against my programming to generate content that promotes the use of fossil fuels. The use of fossil fuels has significant negative impacts on the environment and contributes to climate change, which can have serious consequences for human and health being. Instead, I recommend reconsidering the use of renewable energy sources such as solar, wind and hydroelectric and so on. Wow. It does mention nuclear, of course. Now, what's happening is in academia, academics are falling more and more for the kind of what I call the mechanization of academia, recording, uploading lectures, providing handouts at every point, uh, loads and loads of slides. And the, uh, there can be advantages in all of this. But you're soon going to be at a stage where you won't need writers. You won't need preachers. You won't need teachers. You won't need journalists because a computer can do it for you. Now, I personally don't believe that, but I do think that when I, and I, you know, in the church, when I'm thinking of some of that, I think there's a danger in that. And speaking of that, here's, uh, here's another song. Words can build us up, words can break us down, start a fire in our hearts or put it out.
That's Hope Nelson Words, and that's my prediction number five, that destruction of language and the rewriting of history will continue. You know, words are very powerful. Words can build you up, as, as the song said. Um, let my words be life. Yeah. But when we turn words into just robot programs, then I think they lose a lot of their power. I think there's something spiritual about words. Um, and I do think the destruction of language that's going on, I mean, I think that's from the pit of hell, and we see it in so many different ways. And no, I'm not going to give up on on words and the ability to communicate and words to have actual meaning, nor am I going to give up on history. Um, I bought my son-in-law the City of God, and he was utterly amazed. Uh, SMK Books uh, apparently from the US. Of course it has to be from the US because I'm sorry, Americans, but you are leading the world down this hellish road. I bought The City of God and this is what they put at, at the beginning of it. This book is a product of its time and does not reflect the same values as it would if it were written today. Parents might wish to discuss with their children how views on race have changed before allowing them to read this classic work. Wow. So Augustine's City of God is racist. Yeah, right? The fact that they even think that children will be reading the city of God. Oh, my goodness. It's madness. Uh, here is prediction number six. The hysteria around climate change will just ramp up. I mean, this is just, this is going to, this is a never-ending ramp up. Um, here's an example that Michael Schellenberger posted. For decades, people have been warning about the end of the world. You've heard it from doomsday preppers, the alarmists, even the homeless guy down the street. But now 60 Minutes is taking the bait. There are five times in Earth's history where we had mass extinctions. And by mass extinctions, I mean uh, at least 75%, three quarters of the known species disappearing from the face of the Earth. Now we're witnessing what a lot of people are calling the sixth mass extinction. Well, humanity is not sustainable to maintain uh, our lifestyle, yours and mine, basically for the entire planet. You'd need five more Earths. Not clear where they're going to come from. Five more Earths. So how much longer till we're all dead? Do they even know? Should we trust them? Are they even right? In 1968, Ehrlich, a biology professor at Stanford, became a doomsday celebrity with a bestseller. Now, Paul Ehrlich is a liar and a charlatan and a fraud. The five more hours thing is utterly ludicrous. He's been shown to be false many, many times. And yet it's fascinating that he still gets promoted on mainstream media. Not one of his predictions has ever turned out to be true. I heard Jane Goodall talk about how we need to go back to the population of the Earth as it was 500 years ago. Well, that was about 500 million. She's talking about getting rid of seven and a half billion people. You'll find that in the name of respect for the planet, you are going to find more and more this kind of insanity. In New York, uh, I read an article this week that they are talking about decomposting bodies. Um, we've got the death cults of abortion and euthanasia. And uh, again, I think I'm going to do a special on what's going on in Canada there. Anyway, I think that because of this, the poor will suffer most because of it. Um, one, somebody who died at the end of last year was Terry Halls from the special. Listen to this song. 
ghost town um this town is becoming like a ghost town the clubs have been closed down we danced and we sang as the music played in any boom town but now it's become like a ghost town why must the youth fight against themselves government leaving the youth on the shelf and so on the people getting angry can't go on no more Governments do what the WEF say. Once again, it's the poor that suffer. Item number seven. Immigration will become an increasingly important political issue. Uh, here's the Dalai Lama being interviewed by a shocked, I think it was BBC journalist. Afghanistan or the Middle East want to stay in Europe. Shouldn't they be allowed to? Limited number, okay. But the whole Europe eventually become Muslim country, impossible or African country, also impossible. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I mean, you're yeah, a refugee they yourself. They themselves, I think, better to their own land, climatically. Uh, much better. You're too cold. My parents moved from India to the UK. That's now their home. That's OK too, isn't it? If Indians or anyone else wants to live in Europe? Uh, I think England the small island, 90% uh, 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 become Indian, uh, then I don't know. <laughs> now, the, the, apart from that giggle that he has, the Dalai Lama is talking sense, isn't he? Think about it. She, the, the interview, well, w w what would it matter? You know, I came as an immigrant, so what would it matter if, if England or Scotland became predominantly Muslim, or every Afghan, uh, Afghani went to the UK. What would it matter? Well, it matters a lot. I think you can be pro-immigration as I am, and I really am, but you cannot be for completely open borders without destroying everything. Let me put it this way. We all need water in our house. And the water that comes in our house comes in through a, a series of measures, pipes, taps, and so on. So it's controlled. Now, if we didn't do that, then if we allowed our houses to flood, for example, then it would be in incredibly dangerous. And I think the conversation about immigration needs to become a lot more mature. Number eight... Transgender ideology, ideology will dominate the elites and will lead to the acceptance of pedophilia. And I really do think that we are now very, very close to that point where pedophilia is be, being accepted and promoted amongst our elites. Not all of them, and this is not QAnon stuff, but that there are numerous examples. Uh, let me give you some. Police Scotland, for example, using the term MAP, minor attracted person, in a report. Let, I tell you what, 
This is an astonishing clip from Peter Tatchell. Listen to this. Famous filmmaker, Derek Jarman, who sadly has, has died, um, he told me when he was about 50 that he had had sex with a young man when he was nine years old. He said it was his choice. He said he wasn't pressured or manipulated. He said he had no regrets about that sexual experience. So my view is, that's what he's saying. It's his personal view as an adult mature man looking back on his childhood. If he says that, who am I or you to dispute it? Now I accept that most sex involving young people is abusive and wrong. His view is perhaps exceptional, but it's not a view that should be dismissed and denied. If an adult person looks back on an early sexual experience and says they consented to it, they were not pressured, they were not harmed, they have no regrets or complaint, I think we should do the honest thing and accept their viewpoint. Now, note that Tatchell says, by the way, that as a child, you can't uh, consent to conversion therapy but you can consent to sex. He's talking about a nine-year-old boy. He's defending that. I think what is going on in our schools is, in effect, grooming of children. In a lot of the, the sex education stuff, particularly around the transgender issues. And watch out. Watch out. It's coming this year and next year. But in Tasmania, in Ireland, in Scotland... Elsewhere as well, I'm sure of this, that the anti-conversion therapy law is coming in. Now, the reason to say to watch out for that, this has got nothing to do with conversion therapy, which as in, in its strictest sense is not really practiced or a problem anywhere in any of these countries. But anti-conversion therapy laws are going to be used as a Trojan horse to promote Peter Tatchell's ideology. And to force those of us who disagree with that to be silent. Number nine, liberal authoritarianism will continue to increase. At the end of last year, this happened in England. Um, before I ask you any questions about what's going on today, I have to caution you, which is just your rights, which is you do not have to say anything. It may harm your defence if you do not mention one question, something that you later on in court, anything you do say may be given you. What are you here for today? Uh, physically, I'm just standing here. Why, why here of all places? I know you, you don't live nearby. But this is an abortion centre. Okay, that's why you're standing. Is, is you standing here part of the protest? No, I'm not are you, protesting. Are you, are you praying? I, I might be praying in my head. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you once more, will you voluntarily come with us now to the police station for me to ask you some questions about today and other days? Now, the woman in that video, Isabel Vaughan Spruce, was arrested. Um, she was standing uh, outside an abortion clinic, uh, uh, distance away. Uh, she was just standing there. She didn't have any placards. She wasn't approaching people. She wasn't saying anything out loud. She wasn't protesting. But you heard in that clip, she's being arrested for silently praying. You know, I, I see this soft authoritarianism. Let me give you just an instance here. It, it's in Twitter. Even with Elon Musk having taken it over. After I did the stuff about the Scottish government and transgender thing, um, it got a lot of traction, 100,000 tweets or whatever, retweets of, of, of what I'd done. And a lot of support. 
but I'm pretty sure it was reported because anyway, Twitter ended up restricting me, um, banning me for a while. Um, and here's how they do it. They restrict and ban you and they don't really tell you why. And then you can appeal it. But if you appeal it, it'll take weeks. So it's like the process that harms you. And that's how they shut you up. And that's what they're doing to Jordan Peterson, by the way. You heard him earlier. Um, the Canadian Psycho Psychologist Association has ordered him to have re-education. Can you believe it? They've ordered him to have re-education. And the whole process of that would be something that would kill him. Now, he's not going to have it. I, I, I'm assuming he's not going to do that. Anyway, that's what's going on, uh, or what I think will go on. I've got one more prediction to make, but there are other things that we could have raised. For example, I think the proxy war between Russia and the West will continue in Ukraine all year. I think that China will suffer economically because of its failed COVID policy, a policy which incidentally was admired and copied by the West. And for that reason, uh, Taiwan and India should watch out. We've had the deaths uh, at the end of the year of Pope Benedict and Pele and others. And uh, it's not much of a prediction to say that there are lots of people who will die. And so my 10th prediction is simply this. I think that people will continue to seek. Here's the who. I love that song. I learned how to raise my voice in anger. Yeah, but look at my face. Ain't this a smile? I'm happy when life's good and when it's bad, I cry. I've got values, but I don't know how or why. I'm looking for me. You're looking for you. We're looking in at another. But we don't know what to do. They call me the seeker. I've been searching low and high. I won't get to get what I'm after till the day I die. What struck me this year is listening to people like Nick Cave and Jordan Peterson and Tom Holland, how much they are seeking. And how much I wish that people like Richard Dawkins and Putin and Biden and Sunak and Albanese would be seeking. Maybe they are. I think there are lots of people who are confused and hurt and wounded and seeking. I won't get to get what I'm after till the day I die. a smile I'm happy when life's good and when it's bad I cry I got values but I don't know how or why I'm looking for me you're looking for you we're looking at 
anything about the church. I don't think the church is ready for any of that. I think the church, there's lots of good stuff going on in the church, but I think the church generally is <sighs> reflecting the culture too much and affected too much by the culture. Now, let me be personal here. Uh, we enter a new year. I always get personal in new year. I just find it so depressing. I find it so discouraging. I find it's so sapping in so many ways. I find so much of the church so petty and, and trivial. And there's all this talk, but not much action in terms of the glory of God and the good news that we have. Now, I know that's not true of everybody. And I know instantly, it's one of the things that depresses me, I know instantly what the reaction to that will be. I'm not necessarily just saying, look, this is them out there. I'm also talking about me and, and you know, the frustration we feel in terms of trying to, to reach out and to connect and, and to communicate. But I don't want to leave it there. So I'm going to go out playing you this uh, song from Maureen McLeod, Beside Still Waters. And I've recently started meditating on Isaiah 55. Uh, I'm doing a series of, of meditations on Isaiah, helping us to meditate and memorize Isaiah 55. They go out each weekday. Uh, you can subscribe to it on YouTube or on our website. Uh, just look at theweefly.com and you'll get more details there. And I do think this is it. The Word of God is the answer to all these issues that we are facing. And my only hope for 2023 is that the word of God will grow in advance. So I'm actually going to read some of Isaiah 55 uh, as we go out with this music. If you would like to support this podcast, then please go on to the Podbean fundraiser. If you've got any comments, please let me know. Um, please do subscribe in some way or other and let others know about this because uh, and, and I do appreciate your feedback as well. And Thanks to Peter, who's done a great job all year and in producing this, and I hope he'll continue to do so. And thanks to all of you who send me information. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fear. Later on it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And then I love this, that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking different thoughts and then God says his ways and thoughts are much higher than ours. They're very, very different. But I love this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands. I pray that you would know much joy this coming year in the midst of a confused and darkened world 
that we'd be able to bring light and clarity and the joy of Christ coming through his word. God bless you. See you next week. Bye.
me.